Are you a self-published author? Are you looking to promote your book? We are looking for you. I personally know how hard it is to write a book because I always seem to be writing one but never finishing it. Get the word out to listeners in 42 countries and growing about your literary masterpiece. Go to bookinterrupted.com slash sponsorship for more information. Book Interrupted is running another contest. We're giving away a one-year membership to Masterclass. Is there a passion project you've always wanted to pursue? To find out more, go to www.bookinterrupted.com slash contests. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. Like right now, I'm having trouble expressing how I want to say this. <laughs> I don't know that I should go because it would be a head-to-head. Like bringing down another blinder, right? Like, oh, well, there's another one. And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't realize that I shouldn't be doing that. But when a boy cries, let's go. I, I want to share my energy with you. My body is- Mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is the time. And we're gonna talk it out. On Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from May 9th to June 13th. It's the fan book choice. And Squiggy will be joining us for this book cycle. The book that we're reading is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. In this in-depth exploration, this book examines how white fragility develops, how it protects racial inequality, and what we can do to engage more constructively. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. Welcome to our fan episode for White Fragility. This is the episode where we find out what the fans think. We have a few comments, but really it was not a lot of fan engagement. I, but what I wanted to say is I got some fans that I know contact me privately, like people in my life, contact me privately about the book and listening and how they're interested in reading the book, but they didn't publicly say anything about it. I mean, we have some, so we can go through the ones we have. But did anyone else have people that personally kind of reached out to them, but not on social media? I definitely had some conversations yeah. with friends and there was an interest that they, they're like, I want to learn more. And I, you know, it's hard to navigate. Like, what do we do next? And I was telling them about the book and some of the things that were in the book. And uh, I think because of this, us talking, reading the book and us all trying to help each other, I guess, uh, grapple with some of these ideas. Uh, it was much, I found it much easier to talk to people about it. And uh, they started opening up. And once you get used to being vulnerable, then it's easy yeah. to be vulnerable for somebody so that they feel safe also being vulnerable and being like, okay, I want to ask this question and I don't know who to say it to. And if you can be that safe person for somebody, then they can ask these questions but where they say, well, I'm not really sure how to act in this situation or whatever. Yeah, similarly, actually, just Squiggy, I want to highlight the kind of mantra that you threw out there pretty early on about stumbling forward. 
it's like the most so similar to Meredith, just a few private conversations, mostly about the book White Fragility. And these private conversations were happening with white people. Uh, well, I did a steelsies and I would throw out your stumbling forward. It really was almost just like a permission slip where people are like, okay, so we can talk about this and you're not automatically going to go into judgments, correcting me. You will offer me at least space to be messy. And it has been the biggest gift to, because these conversations, I feel very strongly they need to be had. Um, I can absolutely empathize with the individuals who had private conversations with me, because even myself, I still get tongue tied. I don't want to speak up too much. The idea of, especially in a public forum of uh, like cancel culture, it feels really kind of scary and uh I would be lying if I said I was completely smooth and comfortable and a-okay um, that I have noticed there are instances where I could speak up more and I'm just giving myself permission. I am on the learning curve. I am not dropping it. I am committed to educating myself and I will get better just like Meredith the more I do it. I've been yeah, using that good. too. Oh. oh yeah. Just your stumble forward. I use that all the Me time too. and also... <laughs> And just yesterday, I was saying something about that to Laird about being like, well, I'm, you know, and then I catch myself, I go, oh, should I be saying something? I feel really uncomfortable. And then I say, oh, no, no, wait, I should be, I just try, keep stumbling forward. If I make a mistake, I learn from my mistake. I keep going, I keep going, I keep going. So thank you, Squiggy, for that. Yeah. And it's just practicing these words, practicing these conversations, and you just get better and it's easier and it almost doesn't carry as much weight anymore or as much stress. It's more that you're comfortable with the words more often, and then that makes that easier to communicate to others. Yeah, I found that like some of the conversation I, I had, some people would call me and say, oh, listening to the podcast, I think I'm going to get that book. Like, I think it's good. But then oftentimes they go through the things in the book that kind of like make sure I understand that I'm not a racist and they're going through the things that in my mind instead of being, or even like, it's not a harsh lot, like being like angry at them it's just like oh yeah you definitely you should read the book instead of being like just so you know the book's gonna tell you that stop doing that like <laughs> you don't have to tell me about your best friend when you're growing up or this family that stayed with you that was a person of color like I don't fine great <laughs> but it's like you know they but that I did that too so it makes me laugh more like it makes me chuckle to myself whereas before well, as I was reading the book I kind of felt like like shocked, like, oh no, like I did that, like more like set with myself. But now that I've kind of gone through the whole book and this process of talking it out so much, now I feel almost like lighter about that I did those, like lighter about the things I used to do because now I'm more educated. So it's like, oh yeah, you should read the book because da, 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 whatever. But then I've also now dived into heavier anti-racist books. So then it makes you <laughs> Like, you would, oh, I'm glad I read this one first because my right fragility definitely would have come out. Yeah, it like opens you up to hear the messages of the of the other books when you can like check yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, oh, I feel this. Sure. Oh, wait, I know I'm feeling that. All right, let's just get through it then. Let's just walk through the white fragility and then work on what I'm reading here. Yeah, it does kind of provide you a language so that you can, like what Sarah was saying, so that you can name what you're doing, like whether you're catching yourself or naming another, you're like, oh, and it reminds me actually of that post on the Facebook post, the apology. 
and someone included the, what is it? The racist bingo of all the different things that you can do. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm doing the, I'm a good person part here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And you can actually good one. It does allow you to have a little bit more forgiveness to self as long as you're not dropping the work. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that. Oh, there I go again. There's my habit of I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> and then with others, it's equally, it's not like pointing, haha, funny. But yeah, it's being able to name it. Yeah. It's uh, for our listeners, there was an incident in the county surrounding a restaurant, and they released a really white fragility press statement apology that I shared with the book interrupted group. And it was almost an easy exercise in okay. By people, we've learned, we've read the book, we've read the text. Here is a case study of all the things that we know about now. And then within the comment section, there was a nice little graphic of white fragility bingo card of all the faux pas that can come out of what seems to be well-meaning, but is actually not constructive and not actually anti-racist. Yeah, they hit so many on their bingo card. So many. That statement. I was like, well... And did you see the person that posted it, like even X'd off, like the different areas in yeah. the video and circled this one? And I was like, oh, God. It's just also being curious because I post a lot about anti-racism stuff in my on my own personal platforms. But I do get a lot more private conversations than people commenting publicly, which is always intriguing. And then also, I'm also finding the ones that do post publicly and comment publicly have majority of them have been women, which is just been an interesting observation that I've. Do you think women probably feel safer to be vulnerable maybe because we are as women kind of more allowed to be vulnerable as people? I don't know. I think it's a balance of vulnerability that they're more ready for self-awareness and self-reflection. And then there's also trauma bonding of the oppressed. There's a lot of the struggles that women be like, I understand. Yeah, I've been in a parallel or similar situation. The self-awareness, I think, and this is generalization, but this is a discussion we're going down, but that women are more in touch with their emotions and self-awareness and That also goes along the lines of the male toxicity readings and stuff that I've done on my own personal level. Uh, It just takes a lot more for people to speak out publicly about let it be anti-racist or feminist or gay, what have you, if it is not their thing or their shtick. Like I'm, I'd be cautious to speak. I, I was cautious for a while to speak out in a feminist voice, but then I realized that I was reaching more people and that women actually liked what I was saying, which is good. And it's also a good safety check that way. But a lot of people just still have the fear of saying the wrong thing and standing out awkwardly. I think also the, you know, with cancel culture and all the things we talk about, if you write one comment, you know, that you thought you were coming across something, someone else thought something, and that comment is now on the internet forever. So in 20 years, Someone's going to look back and be like, well, they said blah, blah, blah. So I think people are really nervous about commenting 
on the internet now or being on the internet in general, because they know that it's just not going to ever go away. So if they say the wrong thing or whatever, that someone will bring it up, you know, if they decide to become a politician or something Mm -hmm. years from now. So just not good. And for me, I guess that just goes more into the stumble forward or the learning and growing. It's like from the BC Boys documentary when he's speaking pro-feminist and someone said, and these are from the guys that gave you girls. And he's like, yeah, well, I'd rather move on than be stagnant. I'd rather keep on doing things. And then the fear of cancel culture happens to people that don't care. It happens to people that don't listen. It happens to people that don't fix their mistakes. That's when they get canceled. When they mistakes happen, we will all fuck up. It's just how you choose to recover it. And if people just double down, that's when the canceling starts happening. Yeah, like if you're not willing to say you made a mistake and figure out how to apologize or be like, oh, when someone's like, hey, I'm, I'm giving you a learning moment and you're like, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And then people are like, okay, you don't want to learn, right? Then but you I have to give think... them the shirt, the stubble forward shirt that they can wear and be like, learn I this. also think that maybe like, it's not just about the apology. I think cancel culture is when people just apologize. It doesn't necessarily do anything. I think it's about if maybe if you do something, you can show how you made a, you've made amends. Like the Beastie Boys did make amends. They yeah. did a girls and now they're doing things about, you know what I mean? They're already doing it. So you can mention girls, it's fine. But it's not going to have much weight because of the things I'm doing now. Do you know what I mean? And I've heard a lot of people adopting cancel culture to accountability culture. Yeah, I can see that. I was actually thinking, um, you know, before we, we started about like where I was at, let's say, the last Zoom meeting we all were in together for white fragility. And then to like my takeaways then to where I am now. And I actually feel I feel worse. I feel worse. Um, I feel like now I don't have a ton of human contact of late just because of the lockdown and I don't know, life stuff, I guess. But I, because I feel like I have at least partially rolled down the windows on my blinders, I'm aware of things I, maybe not things I do, but things I don't do more. And accountability culture might be a good term. Like I feel like now I notice more where someone says something that I like I can feel the like ping of like "Mm," but I still don't know why I'm like why don't I say something I don't know how to phrase it and I feel stupid because I'm like why am I not being authentic with even within friendships like they're not these aren't bad people like we know this these aren't bad people these are people I love but you know it's a shitty thing to say and things, times have changed or family members, you know, and I, it's uncomfortable. And it's like, gosh, I'm like, so ready to, I don't know, clap back at like almost any other <laughs> topic, but I'm really like, I don't speak up when I should. I don't even know how to say it because I don't want anyone to feel shame, which they will. No matter, I don't think yeah. the way, yeah. I get what you're saying, Leah. It's like, I have also noticed that somehow my lenses have changed. And I am getting more pings uh, in the area of racism than perhaps past Kara might have. Mm-hmm. But to add to your point, I pick up on with others, especially those you're close to, you already have a dynamic. I've noticed that I tend to behaviorally act more if the other individual is giving me some type of signals around willingness. And I'm getting 
really catching myself really start to turtle up or want to like hide mm. in my clamshell around individuals that I'm picking up on. There is no willingness to want to learn. And I'm wondering if what I'm doing is, yes, it could be a delayed talk tactic. Absolutely. And could it also be like, choose your battles. Like I won't name like one of the family members who is quite up there in their years, like a silver senior. I don't know that I should go because it would be a head to head. And it's not to say that that is the right decision I have made. It's still not sitting well, but I'm just like, yeah, like, does anyone have thoughts around that, around choosing your battles? Many thoughts on this. The one that I've always just been going back to a lot is uh, you only have so many fucks to give. So choose wisely what you give a fuck about. Uh, yeah. So you only have so much energy. Also look at what your goal is or what the reward is, what the payoff is. Is it worth my time and energy engaging with this person? And if it's not, then it's not worth your time. And that is what's right for you. So you preserve your energy so you can make a difference elsewhere. So you can invest energy elsewhere. Wasting energy hitting your head against the wall isn't going to help anyone. It's going to make you frustrated and feel like shit. It's going to make the other person angry. And then setting your own boundaries is a key thing. And it, to me, I've chosen not to engage with a handful of people. I've been quicker with my block button on Facebook. And it's under understanding the value or the impact that person has in your life. Let it be a coworker or an employer. Like there's been times where I've been in the kitchen and I've bit my tongue and smiled on because it's my boss. I'm happy to be in a different kitchen now. But yeah, it, it is all about choosing your battles wisely. Like fighting every battle is naive and it's going to frustrate you and cause you to burn out. But Sitting in anger does not, is not helpful. It's just an emotional message to tell you that something's wrong. So once you figure out what's wrong, then you are less angry and more active. Transferring from anger to being active versus anger into hate. And it's using emotions like that. So recognizing you're angry or you're uncomfortable or you're frustrated. And then that is an emotion that's signaling something to you. And then it's what is causing it, and then what can you do about it? It's uh, it's unfortunate when you talk about the previous generation and it's like, oh, well, that's just who they are, or that's... Then you also look at the amount of damage are they actually doing. If they're an old person in a corner of their room just muttering stuff to themselves, that's not going to hurt the outside world. And where are they going to cause pain? If they're actually being destructive to the community or to society or to other people in the family. Like if it's a mixed marriage and the grandfather is then being really rude, then that might need to be spoken to. But it's it's really just picking your battles wisely and coming to the understanding that you don't have to fight every battle. Mm. You'll just bring yeah, yourself Yeah, but out. isn't it the people that they're ones that are the most budding heady, the people that you should be saying the most to like i'm not saying fight but maybe just yeah. saying you shouldn't say that and that's it like just you don't have to have the whole battle but at least every if every single person said to them you can't say that you can't say that you can't say that eventually that's going to get into their head but if you just avoid that person because you know that they are never going to change or that they're going to whatever then everybody's going to think that and they are never going to change and mm. no one will approach them so maybe like I could think yeah. of people in my life who I, you know, will try to say to them, at least say in the middle of be like, no, 
can't say that, you know, but then you move on. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you guys. I think. was thinking the same thing because it was from what Squiggy said in one of the episodes, how he was saying that like in the kitchen, you don't necessarily have to say anything. You can shut it down with like a look or be like, that's not cool. Like I haven't had any word to practice that yet, but I, I, that's what I think I'll try to do because I think that it just makes it be like, especially with the, like what Kara was saying, people that are confrontational and like her, I have a hard time with confrontation, but I think that makes it lighter, like almost being like, hmm, mm, that was, you shouldn't say that. Like, like in a look being like, uh, gross, don't like, maybe that would help because then if they want to know more, they'll be like, why, what, what did I say? What did I do? But if they don't want to look, if they don't actually want to learn why you think that's wrong, they'll just move on. But if it's, that interaction happens like all the time. And like every time you see them, eventually they might say, okay, so what is it that I'm doing or saying? Like maybe they'll actually engage or they just won't say that stuff around you or they'll be thinking about it before they say it around other people as well. Mm -hmm. that, that's Yeah, like they'll know. know that you are not okay with that. Or like, let's say somebody tells a joke. That's not okay. And they're like, oh, it's just a joke. And they just be like, but it wasn't funny. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And so- like that might just be like whatever to you but if this is the type of person who wants to tell jokes to make people laugh if enough people are like that wasn't funny maybe they'll change their tack a little bit right no mm -hmm. we're not laughing you just ruined the mood here we're all joking yeah. around and your butt's killed yeah yeah your butt's killed get <laughs> yeah. out of here maybe <laughs> yeah come up with some maybe more then I'll, new I'll material correct that in that do your own due diligence, do enough that you can. Because also for me, it's definitely being a survival technique. They've mm -hmm. definitely been a run and hide and not confronting things, but doing a due diligence and not getting into debates and not getting into sparring. That's the biggest thing I've done is that, all right, well, I've said this, you can take it, you can leave it, but I'm not going to go round for round. It's like, there's memes about it that says like, my oppression is not your hobby and stuff like that, where people just want to engage to try to win as opposed to engage to learn. But I guess you're right, Lizzie, that you, you should say something. You should always, you sh always should, but that's what shoulds are. My own <laughs> thing I always do. Sometimes like you get to a point where this is one of my strategies, not just with like racism, but with other stuff. If people disagree, I can give my opinion. And at some point, if they're trying to convince me, I could just be like, listen, obviously I'm not going to convince you and you're not going to convince me. We just have different ideas about this, but you know where I stand. And then you can, because sometimes when things get kind of spiral a little bit out of control, that's my exit strategy. And that way I can tell them my side. And if they don't agree, well, you know my side, I know your side, but we're not going to, I don't think we're going to convince each other in this conversation. So let's talk about something else. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and in a way we, that is using your battles. Right. So we've addressed it. And if there, if it's, because like Robin said, you only have so much energy. You're like, I'm not going to spend all my energy trying to convince you of something that you don't want to be convinced of. If you're, you don't want to change your mind, that's okay. But now you know where I stand. Especially with family members, you know, like you can have that conversation and you don't have to talk about that every time because sometimes you have people in your life and they're going to be in your life and they're going to disagree about things, not just about racism, but about whatever. And so I can just be like, I don't want to talk about that subject because then we always start going like this. Mm -hmm. So you can give your opinion and then that's my exit. That's my exit strategy. You've almost pointed out to me how... I was kind of approaching speaking up 
in a very binary way when perhaps our ability to speak up for, takes place within a continuum and there are varying ways that one can be disruptive because you're right Meredith when it comes to beliefs opinions very rarely you can only control yourself and some people do choose to want to engage solely not because of the context or the topic but to have a win and so yeah just because we might sense an unwillingness of someone doesn't mean we can't speak up but that we can speak up in a variety of different ways whether it's just like casually calling them out or Sarah giving like the look something can be done to be a little bit disruptive and just and then you can carry on or you can go deeper into more layers but that it's not this way silence this way full-blown like activism taking on everyone and everything because like good point squiggy about paying attention to your own energy reserves and it's so true nothing um exhausts an individual than holding on to and carrying anger and then when you're within rage and anger your ability to make decisions well-informed ones uh, it gets diminished drastically <laughs> Yeah, so you need to be able to have your A game on for those points in time that you decide, no, this is uber important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and in Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted! Okay. <laughs> Can stupidity be an interruption? I mean, maybe, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but when I'm on the phone with a customer service rep and they're trying to like validate or verify my identity. And so they say to me, you know, what's the name on the file? And, and I say, Kim, and they go, oh, sorry, no, that's not the name we have here. So I can't help you. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean that's not the name? And they're like, this isn't like, it doesn't say Kim. And I go, oh, okay. Uh, oh, an interruption to my interruption. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Stupidity interruption continued. So someone's verifying my file. I'm on the phone. They've asked for my name. I say Kim. They tell me that they do not know that uh, I am the person I say I am because it does not match the name on the file. And I think that's weird. And then I kind of go, oh, couldn't be. But, you know, what the heck? And I go, Kimberly? And they go, yes. Okay, like now we can proceed. As if I said, you know, Brian. And they were like, no, that's not the right name. And it said Kimberly, right? Like that would make sense. But if it says Kimberly on the file and they ask who's calling and you say Kim, they should be able to take the giant leap of a connection and understand that that's the same name. Anyway. Book interrupted. One of the things we posted, we posted on our book club, not on all of our social media, but we have a private Facebook book club. And we posted, Lily Singh did a video that said that was things that white people have said to me, which was really funny, but also like brutal. Anyway, so we got two comments from that. One was someone just wrote so good. And then another person didn't write on the group, but shared it. And on her personal page, she wrote... I'm guilty of some of these. And it was just like, I don't know, did you see this, Gigi? Lily Singh, the first part of it, she wrote, she did a whole bunch of things where 
you know, white people said these things to her, like, you know, I've been to Delhi and uh, where are you from? No, where are, you where are your parents from? And yeah, and all these things, right? Like, uh, are you having a, ra- you have arranged marriage or can you like pick someone or anyway? So, and then she did the reverse. If she was going to be someone saying that the way people and it was like, so, um, oh, Smith, um, I know that someone named Smith. Are you, are you related to them? And they're like, no. And you're like, Do like you have just- to marry somebody of your own choosing. Right. <laughs> did you have? Yeah, it was like or something yeah. like that. She also said something about the weddings. So like people are like, "Oh, I've been to one of your weddings before." Wasn't she, she like, touching oh, one of them? She's like, "Can I touch you?" Like, wasn't there yeah. like a whole? It was so <laughs> funny. But like, yeah, she nailed it. The, yeah, she really, really nailed it. And it was nice because this person that was following our group was like, "I've done this." Like, because she assumed, I guess, that she's trying to relate to someone, but it's really. It's racist. Like, don't say that to people. <laughs> like, it's not cool. So I think that's another way. Like, I was just thinking how people thought it was so good and lots of people saw it and some people shared it. And I think that it's because putting it that way and also in making it funny makes people realize, oh, shit, I've done that. And I didn't even know that I was being offensive. You know, one of the things she said, she's spicy. She says, do you want this? You Do you want extra spice? You like it spicy, right? And then her reverse was like, you want it bland, right? The blander, the better, right? <laughs> like just stuff like that. Mm. Anyway, it was good. Comedy, so was- I think, sometimes makes it easier to digest some of these things a little bit. And I think that's what well, we all found that the more we talked about it, it was easier to kind of laugh at each other and ourselves as we're learning being like oh man that's crazy and so it kind of it makes it a little bit lighter yeah I definitely the first yeah and like the first episode we filmed we're all like we're so nervous how do we say something and like somebody (laughs) said something first and we're all like oh my god and now we're just like whatever this is what we're saying we're talking about it so as Swiggy said you know the more you talk about it the more you're comfortable talking about it and the whole point of the video being shared is that the more that we talk about it and we share the information, the more hopefully other people do and other people do. And then it, you know, snowballs, which is great. I didn't watch that particular clip, but there's variations of that. And then I've had people ask, well, then how do I approach this if I do want to ask those questions? If I am curious about your history and Ooh. your lineage and what have you, the best way, the I'm still trying to work out details of this metaphor but for me it's almost like are you treating me as if i'm an exhibit in a zoo or are you treating me as a person there's a really there's a balance of like fact finding and wanting to read the little placard about a person of color or is this a conversation that organically led to a point where i'm talking about my parents and where they came from and stuff like that so the zoo exhibit is what is rude but talking to someone about their history or where they're from is not in itself inherently rude. It's making the assumptions, right? Like assuming that you fit. Sometimes people, like, it's like, you like it spicy. And you're like, well, you already have preconceptions about me. It's the difference between like learning who I am as a person and coming to the table, wanting to know if if uh, I tick all the boxes. You're like, hmm, do you really like khakis? Check, you're good. Uh, or whatever, I don't know. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Great. And also if it's like the focus of your conversation with them every time. You know what I mean? I think that's a thing that... Uh, and if it's fetishized. If it's fetishized or if it's interest. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's eventually you get someone's like, there's more to me than all these preconceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely done that. I think I've done that to a number of long Uber drives. 
if I'm honest. That's real hard to say out loud, but I've definitely done that. Or like, it's just like, I'm sure it's, that is one occasion where I, I tend to meet uh, people of color and ooh, at the risk of, well, I'm just really uncomfortable right now. But yeah, I always have that conversation with them because I'm just sure I'm interested, but it also just seems like genuinely, I'm always really impressed with anyone who changes countries and I can tell but I shouldn't assume that just because they have an accent that, that they just didn't grow up when whatever travel I'm doing that requires me to take an Uber from the airport. But I do that. Just compound but... your uncomfortableness even more. Just to give it a thought. Imagine how many times that person has had that conversation. Oh, God. I was thinking that too. I was just thinking that's like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) They just like record their answers. Play the recording, like, let me get this for you. Click, turn it on, and like, here's all your questions answered. If you want to talk about anything, it probably goes in there like anyone who's been like a server knows that like you have your spiel, you know, like your same go-to spiel. You do it every table and it's just like, you probably should just have it on a recording. Yeah, that's. And while you feel guilty about that, thinking of how many conversations he's had also tells you about the culture and the systematic racism that we have, that Mm. it's not necessarily your fault or you're being malicious or you're actively choosing to be these things. This is just a pattern within our society now that you recognize it you can be like okay i can break that pattern and just start with general stuff and see where the conversation goes organically what dropped you today yeah like i wouldn't do that Uh, with i honestly i don't even think this is okay this is how fucking let's just let's just say it i don't know if i would do that with someone with an accent who is white i don't know if i would like a maybe like a polish or russian accent i don't know i don't know if i would it's really bad when i think about it and I just think about it. I'm just being friendly. But after listening to that, I'm like, fuck, that's <laughs> terrible. Well, at least There's you're thinking thing. about it. Because next time, I'm going to find your shit. <laughs> I am going to lose my star rating over this, y'all. My stars are going to drop. <laughs> just keep stumbling forward, I Leah. I star. <laughs> I can't lose my star rating. <laughs> Another point, uh, Leah, is that that wouldn't, the reason that clip that Lily Singh did was funny and that she created it is because it happens all the time. Do you well, mean like if it wasn't something that was, feel better, it's that uncomfortable <laughs> funny. Like it's one of those like funny, awkward where you're like, like oh, oh no. Uh, if you're yeah. making a joke, like obviously that's not okay. And that's totally. why that person was like, I've done this because. But yeah, if it didn't happen a lot, well, then it wouldn't up, be y'all. spread around. Like people wouldn't share it <laughs> if it wasn't something that happened a lot. Yeah, I know. Right? If people couldn't relate. But that's the mm-hmm. point. Like it makes that all these little things make people aware, right? Like it's all these little things like bringing down another blinder, right? Like, oh, well, there's another one. And that's another point, right? But that we've been making It's like a stumble forward. So you don't know what you don't know. So now you know. So, stumbling all over the place today. Well, there's we had that big conversation, <laughs> conversation about um, concussion hair. <laughs> uh, about hair, and we had that in our kind of texting oh, yeah, about, yeah. about hair, and and I admitted that I had a friend who was black who I worked with, and I always talked about her hair all the time, all every day. Be like, oh, I like your hair, about all these things, and I was like, oh, I. I had no, I thought I was being nice by saying that. And then I watched the documentary Good Hair by, uh, who does that, Sarah? Chris Good Hair. Rock. Chris Rock. 
And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't realize that I shouldn't be doing that. And so I learned that lesson, but I still make mistakes all the time. Like I was saying to Sarah, her daughter, I probably touch her hair and I don't even think about it. And I think that we all make mistakes of things that we just didn't, that we need to learn. And and as we keep stumbling forward, I'm just going to try to keep learning these things and I'll make the mistakes and hopefully I learn from them and hopefully we grow. And I think that's what the book's about too, right? Is realizing all of these things and then going, okay, well, let's take the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. Yeah. It's kind of like we've just gotten more curious about ourselves by not just going ahead and doing something without question or trying to view what we're doing. Yeah. That this book really did help us just start to question what are our automatics? Like, do we have certain patterns of getting into an Uber vehicle And this is when good white person leads with polite etiquette, social norms. And I ask about the person. Yeah, like we've just become much more curious about the way that we go about our world. And yeah, just like what you said, Lindsay, now we're questioning what we're doing. And that in and of itself is being so helpful. Isn't it like, I mean, it all comes down to any amount, anything that has to do with self-improvement or growing requires mindfulness. That's what it comes down to is mindfulness. And like, there's so many things that we do automatically in life. And if you want to improve or uh, change your behavior, you have to think harder. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You have to think about what you're doing. Yeah. And question it. I, uh, we have one last comment we can bring, but I'm not, I think it's a troll. So I didn't respond. (laughs) It was on YouTube and it was from our uh, white fragility episode two, racism in the education system. And the person wrote, what the fuck is this? This has to be satire, right? I immediately wanted to be like, no, this is... And then I was like, oh, no, I think it's a troll. This is just going to engage (laughs) me in some sort of like... (laughs) And I was like, I doubt that they watched it. Then if they watched it, they would know it's not satire. Anyway, so then I didn't engage, but... That's what we got on YouTube. But that was the only really response. (laughs) But I think they were trying to like... That's sad that that's the only response we got. I know, fishing for me. Yeah. But again, because people are feel more comfortable with like the uh, one-on-one conversations. That brings me to like writing uh, down the rabbit hole, the Sunday blog series. It took a, it took a lot more out of me, I guess. It took a lot more for me because it all comes down to like intention and effect. And so, you know, words are so important and the words you choose are important. I truly believe that, you know, if you, the choice of your words can convey different messages, whether you want it to or not. And so there was a lot of like writes and rewrites and read overs because I was trying to get across kind of my, what I was thinking and what I, what I got from this book uh, about different subjects. Like uh, there's a one about manners, about catching yourself as white silence, supporting racism. And so not doing something is actually going along with the system, but there's all these things and choosing the right words to make sure that my intention was aligned with the effect took a lot of energy. And I mean, I'm sure you all agree when you're having these conversations with people, private conversations, it's sometimes hard to find the words to express what you're trying to say. Like right now I'm having trouble expressing how I want to say this, you know, like picking the words that are the most effective at, at expressing your intention without getting an undesirable effect. It was a good exercise. I'm just saying that it was uh, emotionally very involved. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, you know, like you said, like Rob was saying, you have only have so much energy. So it did, I did find myself uh, quite immersed 
but it's good because and then I, you know, I think about a lot of different things. So it gets easier after the work. Writing with those emotions and those thoughts just do get easier in practice. So I personally journal for years and years and years. And it's only really until this last year that I've been putting my writing publicly online in my social media posts. I've been complimented on my way of words, but those ways of words had been practiced for a long, long time. Now, these concepts and these ideas, they haven't been, but it does get easier writing with vulnerability, writing Mm -hmm. with emotion, or even just conversing and talking. Like I'm definitely far better coming onto this podcast now than I would have been a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, just over this year of practicing my words and, and emotions and vulnerability and honesty. And you talk about intention versus impact. As long as the words are coming from a really honest place, it's, it's a really safe point to start from. That's where the most frustration comes when you find big corporations joining in anti-racism or joining in pride. And you're like, this just doesn't Ugh. feel honest. Yeah, but yeah. when yeah. somebody is stumbling forward with honesty, as like you did for that 30 seconds there, you stumbled forward, but it's coming from a place of honesty that you're expressing this vulnerability, stuff like that. So Yeah, it's I do find it inspiring when I read other people's words where they are vulnerable. So I like that you said that because I was I was trying to be vulnerable in the writings because I think it is, I feel inspired when people can be vulnerable and show me and the world how being vulnerable, it's not the worst thing in the world. You're gonna, you're, you need to be vulnerable to to grow. So that's a good word. (laughs) But that is why it's hard, but it is easier. The more vulnerable you allow yourself to be, the easier it is. And uh, slippery slope. It's you a learn slippery slope. slope. <laughs> You're crying in public, shit on camera. Oh, I'm crying so much more. I'm gonna be. It's gonna be weird when I'm in public, or I'm gonna be at work, and I'm just gonna start right. crying more and more. Oh, and be, just... I think because you're a male, it'll be so endearing. Well, maybe not. Maybe if you work amongst mostly men. Hopefully you're surrounded by a bunch of women because there's nothing that I feel like I don't want to speak for. 50% of the population, but when a boy cries, let's go. <laughs> He's like, come here, come on, bring it in. Like, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, vulnerability is a great trick to get girls. <laughs> oh, nailed it. <laughs> Just because of the theme of this fan feedback episode and not getting much feedback, one thing I realized is that even though I don't get the likes, I don't get the comments, I don't get the dopamine from the lights, what I've been doing myself has been reaching far more people than I expect. And it's one of those weird things that I will end up talking with somebody from university or someone from a former kitchen, and they'll mention a post that I did six weeks ago. Possibly frustrating that the podcast or this arc isn't getting public conversations going and isn't getting the comments, but maybe it's naive or it's just hope, but I got to believe that we are reaching more people and getting people more activated and interested in an area that I was not well-versed in up until a year ago. I think so too. I do. I like have, because I mean, the pod, this six weeks series will be on there forever. So when people are ready to listen. I, I have faith that they'll 
you know, engage and maybe watch the videos and maybe then comment in the future, like as people get more comfortable, or maybe once people read the book themselves privately, maybe they'll start commenting on some of the posts and things like when they feel like, Oh, okay, you know what I mean? So I think so too. I think like, like you, it gives me hope that you say that people say a post you did six weeks ago, you know, like, maybe that will happen too. I think that sometimes private conversations can have a bigger impact on people too. So if you have, you know, two people that have read this book or whatever, you know, like in the book, they're like, if you're struggling with something you did, talk to your white friends, white people and figure it out. And it's such a good advice. Once you know that someone else in your life had their blinders taken off about the, the good, bad binary, then it becomes easier to have those private conversations. And sometimes you can really explore, you know, things you've done or things you've thought or, or try to understand things that you don't yet understand. Yeah, hopefully there are a lot more private conversations happening. Well, thanks for being, um, I know this is not about me, but thanks for being gentle with me when I was being really <laughs> fucking brutally honest. And especially uh, you, Squee, because you don't even know me, really, like in real life and, you know, harmful, pre- maybe, I, I hope I didn't uh, wound anyone too deeply today, but thanks for being kind to me. No, and, and the thing is, you're right, I, I don't know you, but I could tell that you're worth my energy. You're a battle thanks, worth fighting buddy. for And that's not a battle that I need to go like toe to toe with you. I don't need to put you down. I don't need to challenge you. I don't need to fight you, but I can still share what knowledge I do have, or at least again, going back to the cheesy thing about energy, I can, I'm, I want to share my energy with you because you're choosing to do something about it. And it's hard. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable, but I'd rather spend my time talking to you than dealing with a troll or trying to change the mind of a Trump supporter or something like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's great. Kind of you to say. And thank you, Squiggy, again, for coming on and being our first fan of Book Interrupted and uh, for coming back on to talk about our fans and to assess how we've been doing. So thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. I really like the book. Yeah. It was a good choice, right? Like, I did like the book. It was, uh, it's a great starter book. It's that this book also leaves you with wanting to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of it, anti racist books, is like, oh God, that's a sad story. But it doesn't give you the tools or the motivation to do something. This really gives you an opportunity to roll the snowball down the hill and see what happens with your own self awareness, self motivation, stuff like that. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. Are you interested in buying this book? Do you want to order the next book so you can read along? Go to www.bookinterrupted.com shop to see a complete list of our books. And if you haven't tried them yet, our affiliate partners, The Bookshop, and Libro.fm both help support your local bookstore where available. Thanks for taking the time to check in and connect. We'll see you next time on Book Interrupted. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. And how some language, which is like pretty standard in our society, is more violent for people that can't take my pick up your damn socks. Implies that you assume that peace is not an option if you also share your truth. It takes me a while to be like, why am I so irritated at everyone (laughs) and underwear it will come out (laughs) and uh, the black box have gone forever
Book interrupted.